Today's show is sponsored by Brook Linen. Get $20 off and free shipping by using the promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. Gentlemen, it's an honor. <laughs> you are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Joey, the beatbox pastor, as he's known only in his head, dropped some knowledge. I have nothing. This is all right. And I've never heard of Bad Christian like Podcast, everybody. Bad that is enough okay. of that. that was- very good, very good. Gentlemen, it it is, is neither an honor nor a privilege, but go ahead. How y'all doing? Very good. Joey, been a while. Joey, do you even know that our band it's our band's called Emory and we were on the road this past week? Or almost two weeks we were out. Did you even know that? Did I know that? Did you say yeah. Joey? Or were you just consumed with Christian culture to even like pop your head up and care about your friends? What what did you want me to do? Like check on y'all? Be it nice. would have been nice. Be it nice. would have been nice. I'm not saying you had to, but it would have just been yeah, nice. I called you every I think I called you every day of the tour. <laughs> you never answered once. <laughs> Speaking of being on tour, though, it, like so, I'm jacked. Y'all know that my skin's been messed up since basically since we moved mm-hmm. to. I have wondered, did God smoke me for quitting Seacoast, Joey? Like, Are did, you did, did, well, this is like you know, I quit working at two mega churches, and maybe God was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, you know, that's just not going to happen. So my, so he inflicted you with a skin disorder. That's not modern that bad. Day, modern that's day not leprosy. A bad smite. I don't think modern day leprosy. I can't complain. I don't have kidney stones. Yeah, I, hey. I can't complain. If you're gonna live OT, that's fine, man. I'm I'm NT, baby. It's I'm not NT. that bad. I don't no, think. God smote you worse than anybody. <laughs> you have the most affliction. No, no one, no one has ever walked the earth has you. You've gone through way worse than the trials of Job. <laughs> Perseverance <laughs> builds character. That's why I'm a way better person than you because all of my afflictions. I mean, it's it's very evident. I am a better person than mm-hmm. you. Better. Yeah. It's better. I mean, even how you keep your camera right now on your knees and are shaking really badly like you're in a horror film. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> I'm not, but, I didn't say anything about but, professionalism. But speaking about afflictions, I, I saw this this week. It really bothered me. I, I've heard, I felt this way before, but this really did bother me. So a friend of ours, mutual friend of Matt and ours, sister was hurt in an accident. Um, she was, uh, I guess, what, what is it when you have a parachute and they pull you behind a boat? Parasailing. Was it like paragliding? Parasailing. The, the cord broke and snapped, and she went into a spiral. There's video of it until she, she passes the tree line, and you don't see her anymore. Severe injury. She's in Mexico with, like, uh, there was, I think there was blood. There's bad, she's in critical condition with, like, blood in her lungs. I don't think she suffered, luckily, uh, brain damage. But severe, I mean, she's close to death and, and might not recover. The whole family had to fly down to Mexico. And I was looking through all the uh, comments, and one of the comments said, uh, thank uh, God was protecting her from much worse. <laughs> and I was like, what? Oh, wow. I was like, what? In the, hold on. Wait a minute. Is this what Christianity is telling the rest of the world? Our God will allow really bad stuff to happen, just not maybe the worst in every instance. But it's, oftentimes it's way worse than that. But I mean, like, at any point, it seems like our God could have stepped in and made the cord not break, made the people do better safety checks or anything like why, like, just because you didn't die, God is good? Wait a minute, <laughs> like, but, I mean, tons of Christians die from accidents all the time. Oh, I know. So it no, that's what that's, I'm saying. It's not, that's not, cl- clearly not at all how, how that works. Or, I mean, no, I, yeah. 
<laughs> That's way, way, way this, out there. Because God had his hands on her protecting her. <laughs> I was like, what, kind, if, what would my kids think of me if that's how I protected them? I just, I just let them go out in the roof and push them off or something or whatever it is. Like, I just, I, I mean, why would we say that as, as Christians, God was protecting her? That feels like the most thing that would prove not God to me. Like, there can't be a God that would be like, yeah, you know, what? I'm going to let you go parasailing. It's going to be so fun. Uh oh, plot twist. You're almost going to die. Yeah. Love you. <laughs> yeah. Love you. <laughs> yeah, that that's pretty hard. I I'm going to do some science here in a little bit, some history and philosophy of science that 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 kind of makes that a little bit difficult to 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 reconcile and mainly just because how you know, how does it work at all? Is it I mean, if it there doesn't seem to be any evidence that God protects anybody from anything that you can notice or measure and and joey I mean that, i'm I, you know how do you think of that as a pastor like christians don't have a less accident rate or death rate or anything else no no not at all no. and that and that's why reading and i know we're not going to get too deep into this but reading the bible as like an instruction how to do life manual it just doesn't work or else you have to make up silly rules right but I i'm mean, just like, saying like i'm not saying there's no god or he doesn't care or protect us or intervene i'm, I'm just saying, saying that that that, that explanation from that lady no i'm saying it is is not is not sensible (laughs) i mean that may you know god may love you and may rectify you and in heaven and due time everything may make total sense however what that lady said does not make sense that's all i'm saying do either of y'all believe like the idea okay for example and i was thinking about this too like so we've been trying to sell our condo that we bought in 2006 for years now and we finally got a buyer and we're super happy, and we're like, fine. We're even going to lose money, but we just want to get be done with this, have it off of our you know books and everything, just be move on. And then our realtor calls us yesterday and says uh, that they met, the appraisal won't go through because our house is all, like two hundred square feet smaller than what we've been paying taxes on for twelve or thirteen years. And we're like, oh, crap. So that means we've been overpaying our taxes. Mm -hmm. Our house isn't going to appraise. It's going to appraise for like $10,000 less. And I'm just like, well, what, what, like in this situation, what do you pray for? Do I pray, God, make it work so we get out of this? Do I pray, God, help me to learn something? I know, I understand what everybody's saying, but at the same time, like what, we've been going through trials with this. Like I'm going through trials with my skin. Like, is it? always that we're supposed to learn a lesson or is this just life like i i got when i got here i got allergic to something that's what i'm dealing with now it's not it's not even a god thing like Let maybe me give you attributing it to god there. is the wrong thing maybe that's the wrong like attributing my house selling to god being involved in it is the wrong thing not necessarily but you can't know to make an assertion is all i'm saying right. it may be a I purpose in it but you can't claim to know it then why make an assertion there's a god that's what that's well, the next step that's a different question is all i i, I understand that Feels that's similar. a different question but proclaiming that you know to somebody that's you know that's almost borderline it's abusive or, or neglectful or something in that right. territory it, but a, you you don't you don't need to be a christian though to to learn from that situation so i i would say for me personally true. i'd probably catch myself saying god please just sell this thing and and do things to make us super happy, but that feels like deep, I'm talking to me though, not even to but, God. Yeah, I, that's fine. But the deeper, the deeper thing that I probably don't want to pray that I really should pray 
is help me not to care so much about money. Like that, right. that will make me a lot happier if I just didn't care as much because I'm not even going to be here in 50 years. Why am I even worried about this? Yeah, but see, that even falls flat for me because I, I don't really care about money the way a lot of people do. And I'm ready to take a loss. I'm ready to take a hit. Now, when Jess and I were struggling to have kids, I can remember thinking, God, we'll do it anyway. If we have to go through, you know, IUI or, I, you know, uh, the any any step we have to have to have a kid, we'll do it. And then I, I won't go into the story now because I've said it a million times. But basically, I felt like God intervened and told me this. But that was like a real moment where I felt like God stepped into my life and said, this is what is happening. Move on. And I was like, okay, I heard from God. But in instances like this, I do question, maybe it, maybe I'm not supposed to pray about my house selling. Maybe this is just law and physics and rules, and this is just this is what it is. Like I, I mean, maybe there isn't supposed to be a God. Please help me sell this house. Maybe he doesn't care at all about that whatsoever. And it might not even be my money. Like, or is it, does it have to always be if it's a learning situation? Like, can't this just be really shitty and that's what it is? Like, well, yeah, why and, do we and, always have to put the silver lining on? Well, God's teaching you something. No, what if God's not teaching me anything? Well, this just sucks. Yeah, I and think what that. I, and, go ahead, Joy. Well, I was just going to say what I don't understand either, and I really have a hard time not feeling guilty about this, but just having overeating, a hard time, right? Just yeah. having right, just having a hard time going along with this. But every time it seems like something good happens, when people say, "Oh, we just need to thank God," that was an answer to prayer, and that just falls on deaf ears for me because I'm like, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but how am I supposed to know? Because I, for every prayer that you say is answered, I can give you probably three that wasn't. So I just I I just can't jump right into thank you, God, that was an answer to prayer. So I think when it really boils down to it for me, I'll throw those prayers up because I just want to have a relationship with God and talk to him. But I definitely don't want to assume that that is the best thing for me. Now, I know the, char- I know the character building right. stuff that's good for me. Exactly. Can't, I, I mean, mean, couldn't I, we just assume we don't know and we don't exactly. know if we're getting it right, but this exactly. is what and, I'm doing. And there's very few universal promises in the Bible, and that's why when people say, I'm standing on God's Word, God's Word said this, it's taken out of context. They don't know what they're talking about. And so I am totally down with, I don't necessarily think this is the case all the time, but I'm much more on board with someone saying, man, I just, like like Toby's situation, Hey, I'm sorry what what you're saying. I just know God said we're going to be able to have children. Like that to me I can get on board with because of someone saying, "No, God spoke to me personally." But there's not there's no scripture that God uh, that Toby could point to in the Bible saying, "I'm standing on God's promise." He didn't promise you that in the Bible. You know, he promised you from a personal relationship standpoint. That's what I'm saying. The reason I still believe in God is cuz I feel like there's been a handful of times where he <laughs> pursued me and stepped into my life, which <laughs> still leads me back. Sometimes I think I'm total Calvinist. Like I got nothing. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Even now I still feel like we ain't got much. To, like that's what I'm saying. Like there's no control. You don't control knowing whether you're going to have fun parasailing or almost die parasailing. You don't have any, you don't know tomorrow, all the electricity could be gone. There's no control you actually have in your life. We talked about this a few episodes ago. We're a few steps away from chaos. So you have no control whatsoever. And you're just praying, God, please keep it level. Just please, God, keep me level. There's whatever it can be. And it, that feels like a weird plea to God. And maybe he doesn't care. Maybe God's okay with parts of this life just being shitty. And there isn't a lesson. You just like, oh, that sucked. That, yeah. that I'm almost could live more with that than, oh, God, man, our house, we went through all this shit. But in the end, we only lost $5,000. God mm-hmm. is good. That feels like not that good. But see, I kind of think that 
suffering universally can deliver something. And again, that would so apply to every, every human being. So the more, I mean, the better. If, if you get, if you the get more to the next the day after suffering, I know I'm just I mean, saying, you want to learn anything. I'm just, yeah, I think you learn more yeah. from suffering. Yes. Right. But you don't, yeah. so you should pray for suffering, suffering then, not for good stuff. You should earth. pray for it not to end. I mean, that's kind of biblical right there is re- rejoice when you're suffering because you know that it's, I mean, but let, you, I mean, do you want to like put a limit on what suffering you're talking about or would you actually like right. maximal suffering for all? Conscious of course beings. not. No, you I don't know. want. I don't want the suffering. So but hell I can't would be the best thing imaginable. Because think of what you fucking learned there. Yeah, <laughs> right? I know. Think when you go, oh my gosh. Now you, I know. You're jamming after you spend a few millennia. In Minorities hell. are so lucky. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Minorities get all the suffering. Right. <laughs> so lucky. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> Why couldn't uh, I be a minority? My God. <laughs> it just it just bothers me when Christians immediately jump to man God was protecting her and if you looked at it logically that statement it would seem like the most horrific mm-hmm. it would be Satan it's negligent you, I mean or something you would just, yeah something I mean it just it. yeah it's dismissive that, I mean it's it's just it's, it's, well well that's the thing that what I'm getting at here is maybe it seems more correct to think of God logically and scientifically Ooh, and you go like okay it. wait a minute this is a part of these rules that he set up and that's what rules are. You have to breathe oxygen. You need to eat food. Uh, if you fall from a high place, you get hurt. And you then make, maybe within that context, you do have some free will to go, I will jump from a high place or parachute from a high place and take the risk. And maybe there you know are I mean? some like she, supernatural interventions in within that sure. context. Yeah, that yeah but those are right. only God pursued, not us pursuing God necessarily. I don't know if we even can. The people that like to like control every, your behavior would tell you, but you had to pursue God in order to hear his voice when he speaks or something. But that's, manipul- well, think about that's this. manipulative. How, what, and, what do you think the percentage know? is of a person pursuing God for good or for themselves? And everything that we're talking about right, right now, I'm, my pursuit of God is always pretty selfish. Right. God, fix this thing. Please help me have the money for it. Please heal my kid. Please do this for me. Like every, my whole connection with God oftentimes is on the pursual side of God would be, I'm going to pursue you because I really need some help because well, this feels scary. You're doing it wrong, my friend. Who is? You. You got to, tr- anyway, I'm just saying the people that want to <laughs> control your behavior would give you a lot of answers there about what you ought to be doing. In order, I mean, you know, I'm which imagines like like you as a pastor. How do you? I mean, you can't. I, I mean, if I'm coming to you for counseling right now, you cannot. Don't you know? Like, do you feel this way? You can't give me even a good answer. Like everything you say, I could refute. That's what's so upsetting to me. Is like it, it's not like if I come to you and said, "Hey, man, my wife and I's marriage are bad, and also we got a bad diagnosis at the doctor, and our house won't sell." And you say, "You know what? This is a learning experience. God's gonna, maybe going to teach you something." It's not going to. It's just nothing. I mean, all you can say about God is maybe something will happen like that. That feels so weak. Now it doesn't feel weak. If I go, wait a minute, there's the rules. I'm I'm talking about science and law and structure. And this is what we have. That doesn't feel as scary. Like I I can understand that, but at least I can get a grasp on it. But what about just, I, I mean, I still have a faith in a very, very, very powerful love from God. So what, what if, what is that? And how does that play out in your life? I don't fifty sense. fifty bad and good. That, no, that's just no, and that's no, anything without. No, with but without I pay. God. But I pay more attention to it when I'm suffering. So I I don't have a, a foolproof answer for those people. You're right, and I can't send them away with the, the with an instruction manual saying, "All right, here's what you do." But I can say, "Man, all I got for you is really receive God's love through this." Yeah, but then my next, because, my very next statement sitting in your counseling room is, then why would I go to heaven where there is no suffering? That seems like I'm not going to learn anything. 
Why why would there be an afterlife that is uh, utopia? That you don't you're not going to learn anything. Well, it's not worth. No, it. Joey's Joey's point of view is yes, you can make it as bad as you want down here, and it's horrible, and I understand that, and I suffer a lot. That's why I look so forward to heaven. I mean, Joey's whole, you know, the Joey's, and I don't mean this as a condescension against Joey, but Joey's one of the people that to me represent the people that have less care about what happens here because of where we're headed. Do you know is that, that true, Joey? And I mean that in relative sense. I don't mean that right, pejoratively. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm less that way than I used to be because I I have learned from a lot of smart people and just the people I hang out with, you guys, my wife, just how important the day to day of life is. Because because he spent his whole upbringing not thinking <laughs> that anything that happens on Earth matters. Yeah. <laughs> is that, I mean, nothing if matters. I had to characterize, is that not kind of true? <laughs> Say that again, true, isn't it? Is that kind of I, accurate? What that you the were first brought up twenty years of your life, you yeah, only thought keep talking to each other. I don't know what you're saying. What can one person say it that the you spent the majority of the first part of your life being brought up and taught that the things that happen on this earth are not actually very important, relatively speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and the second part of your life just being rude. <laughs> just being an asshole. I just couldn't hear you. No, guys. It's, it's okay. You, you, no, it's, I, it's, I know it's you couldn't hear us, but you're a fucking asshole. I mean, no, no, you are. <laughs> Here's a I think is pretty clear. Like when we ask for God to take us out of a suffering challenge or just a tribulation, right. I mean, He could easily just say, "I didn't do that for the first twelve. Like, why would I do that for you guys? I mean, do you know what happened to those people? Like that. Like that would seem to be." That that's what just amazes me about prosperity sorts of teachings is it's like where do you trace that back to that doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. Okay, so let's, hey, y'all, uh, y'all listen to this. Let me tell y'all something really quick that happened to me. This uh, this just makes me does it I involve guess, suffering because if not, it's not worth it. It makes I don't want to pr- hear anything that's not suffering because that's the only thing that's valuable. All right, all right, go ahead, Matt. <laughs> no, go ahead, Joy. <laughs> so I was at the beach. Yeah. Monday, hanging out you with ran the meat. Don't birthday. do this crap. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the meat. I was hanging out with my wife, Priscilla. Somebody and said they get so annoyed when I copy I everything when Toby says. They cut it Anyway, I was at the meat. It was crazy. What a beautiful day. <laughs> now, an impression basic- of somebody on its own, very valid, but the, the repeating I love copying Joey, gonna- though. I have to. All right, go ahead. You were at the beach. People Basic. thought you were a beached whale. <laughs> <laughs> Help him. He's suffering. No, I'm just trying to tan. Go ahead, Joey. So basically, I asked these group of kids if they want if if they would let me and William play football with them. And they're just like, sure, jump on in. And so then I heard them, uh, some of the stuff they're talking about is just like, you guys uh, from Seacoast are like, yeah, we're from Seacoast Greenville. You know, we came for the event last night or something like that. Nice. So this other this other guy, probably in his early 20s, looks at us and he said, and this should have been probably for me being a pastor, it should have been a conversation opener, but he just shut it down and I didn't know what to say and kind of just walked away. I was like, oh, okay. He said, oh, is Seacoast a church? And I was like, yeah, it's a church. It's kind of in the southeast. He said, oh, yeah. He said, I'm an evangelist. <laughs> he just said, I'm an evangelist. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just walked away. You didn't play, even play football with him? 
I mean, the football game was over. This oh, was kind of like when we were uh, walking away. But isn't that funny that some people give themselves the title evangelist? I've actually seen a guy from my old church. I saw him in the grocery store, and he handed me a business card, and it had his name on it, and then it said evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly why you find it that funny, but it is yeah. a little bit funny. Obviously. Yeah, I know. I don't understand why you find it. It's only, I think it's very funny to you, though, Like that those yeah. people find you... They find you and tell you that they are evangelists. No one's ever even told me that, but two or three people have found you and told you that's what they are. So I mean, anyway. it's a quick, it's a quick and easy way to to get some props it's in just the church ver- circles. It's you don't just need signaling ordination. You don't need a degree. You don't need anything. Just say, I mean, I'm an evangelist. That's my yeah. job. That's what yeah. I should be. Maybe get a tax break for doing that. Even that'd be pretty <laughs> awesome. If so, so, I'm an evangelist. Let's go ahead then and put in the show notes if we can, Reva. The uh, that the probably GoFundMe for that person. If you get, you know, we talk about people on here and you know whatever. Might as well just throw that link out there if that doesn't bother y'all, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, this conversation leads into, or it's a really good setup for a science segment. I hadn't done a science segment in a while. Ooh, and, uh, I'm very excited and, about and this. And what we're going to do the rest of the show, and even something I think we're going to do later kind of plays into this, so I'm oh. kind of thankful. You know what's cool setup. about this too, Matt, uh, not to interrupt you, but this science is actually suffering for Joey, so he is yeah, going to learn He's something. Definitely. I mean, this is like, he'd rather have four kidney stones the size of Mars in his... <laughs> So we'll do that. that. But uh, be- I was a science teacher. <laughs> but before before we do that, I'm going to tell you guys about something that is important to me, and that's sleep. And if you think sleep's important, which it obviously is to all you know animals, at least I think, then uh, what you sleep on matters. I think people have been probably since the dawn of time trying to find nicer and nicer, more comfortable things to sleep on to improve the quality of their sleep. And for me, it's Brooklinen. So you can go to brooklinen.com. You spend a third of your life in your sheets, and they make a difference in how you sleep. They really, really do. Have you ever got into a bed and just thought, oh, my God, like at a hotel or something, thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to sleep like a baby. These sheets are wonderful. Well, brooklinen.com are the best, most comfortable sheets, and the best part that I like the most is there's no big markup. They cut out the middleman. So you're getting a great deal. You can upgrade your nightly routine, and you'll feel more well-rested every day. How could you even put a price on that? This company was founded in 2014 by a husband and wife team. Their name is Vicky and Rich, and their philosophy is the most beautiful, comfortable home essentials and no crazy prices. So bedding is one of those industries where stuff gets marked up like crazy, like as much as 300%. And uh, these guys don't do that. They've got over 20,000 five-star reviews. And this is considered luxury bedding, and it's underpriced. So you got to try these sheets today. Our Brooklyn sheets are just the best. I I love them. We sleep on them. Very, very happy with them. Now, for our listeners, Brooklyn has an exclusive offer. You get $20 off and free shipping when you use our promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. Now, Brooklyn is so confident that they offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all other sheets and comforters. And the only way to get the $20 off and free shipping is to use our promo code BADCHRISTIAN at brooklinen.com. Let me spell it. B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. <laughs> Pardon me. Promo code BADCHRISTIAN. Brooklinen, these are the best sheets ever. Okay. All right, Matt, you okay? I, that was a weird sneeze cough you had there. Well, buddy. I choked on an almond that I had eaten in, during Joey's last uh, 
whatever he was saying, and I didn't quite digest, get it going in my digestive tract before I finished the Brooklyn and oh, spot there. You were eating during Joey's take on evangelists. Right. I, I, when, I, when I started that, I pushed my mic away and said, I, can eat, I could probably scarf down about 12 almonds, and I didn't quite get the last one down for it. You know what's really funny about that? And Joey stepped away so we can talk really filthy about mm-hmm. him. Um, it, he's surprised that people are evangelists. <laughs> like, I mean, his whole life is Christian church career. And he's, he's and so far it, in his whole life in ministry, he's met three evangelists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's shocked by he it. He lives his whole life in ministry and is shocked if he ever meets an evangelist. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And and I think as a pastor, he looks down on this. Oh, I'm a pastor. You, yeah. th- oh, this evangelist guy, think come over here and talk to me like we're equals. Well, the way he said it was funny, but it is. Oh, he's back. I, he's back. But he's you know we always reacting to there is this the virtue signaling of how easy it is to oh, claim something. One hundred percent kind of thing. He just didn't articulate that part of it, which kind of made. Yeah, it. I mean that's what that's what the problem is. You can say in Christianity, you can say anything. So, yeah, I'm a prophet. Well, well, that's why they have I'm all a, those I'm problems a, with the counseling <laughs> and the Southern Baptist Convention and all that. You know, there's that whole thing. I'm off track sorry but the, you know yourself yeah, know. your self-proclaimed marriage counselor and then and people take that the same as a licensed person then you tell abused women to st- go back with their husbands and stuff right. i mean that's a that's real dangerous so I, yes. oh I, I you know i'm self-appointed leader of everybody on the most important thing on earth that's what you know yep. so evangelist does ring in that territory right. so i, I totally sorry to it. interrupt your science let's get that's to this all right. good this good let's stuff. get to sorry, it all right. i had to leave you're okay here we go Astrophysics, chemistry, cellular biology, mathematics, gravitation, electromagnetism, evolution. And now it's time for Science Lessons for Christians. Because when it comes to science, Christians are stupid. Okay, back by popular demand. Let's learn a little bit about science. What we're going to do today is a little bit more of uh, science history and science philosophy because Ooh. I don't. Every time I try to say something that I think is real interesting, I just always realize that I don't think people even have necessarily a grip on what is. It's so frustrating to to not understand even what science is or why it works, how it works. It gets mischaracterized a lot, so I find yeah. that frustrating. So I'm going to begin there today. And so I want to talk about ex- scientific explanations and what they are and how important that is. And I got to thinking about this because Joey called me yesterday about his audio gear and his setup. So first of all, Joey, were you able to get that H6 to work in the other interface and do your um, call the way I we think discussed? I, I, yeah, I think I know how to, but I ended up not needing to. But okay. I think I actually found an alternative way that I want to ask you about at some point. Ooh, that sounds fun. Okay, so Joey nice. called me and was asking me how to hook up all this audio gear that he has now to do a podcast with two people on whatever. And he wanted to know how to hook it up. And I said, I am not going to tell you how to hook it up. I'm going to teach you how to understand how this shit works, and then you can hook it up whatever way or the right way or an alternative way because you will understand it. So I'm going to give you an explanation. And I wasn't frustrated about this, and he, I, I thought it really went well. So n- nothing against you, Joey. But it reminded me, it pointed to me that same feeling that I always have when people just want to be told what it is and not understand how it works. It drives me crazy right. in audio engineering, spirituality, in, almost anything in life. So I thought I read a book recently, listened to a book uh, by David Deutsch, called The Beginning of Infinity, and his one of his big things is talking about scientific explanations, and man, is it good stuff. So 
I'm going to recap some of that stuff that I've got from his book and just the, nice. the, kind of the way that I think and I believe is relatively accurate to science, science history, although I don't necessarily know what I'm talking about. But so let's look at it this way. What I want to talk about is what Joey wanted there was knowledge from an authority, from an expert, from somebody that knows, tells him what to do. To me, that is not usually the best thing to do because, again, you don't understand it, whatever. Now, most previous societies and every person who's ever lived it lived in a time where no scientific progress was – well, really, progress wasn't hardly made at all. So most people lived and died that have ever lived and never saw anything new happen or change or technological yeah. advancement or anything. And that's largely because they didn't have good explanations. They didn't have a scientific method. They, weren't, they had not yet figured out a way to compound knowledge, to create knowledge, and then utilize knowledge. But they've always yep. wanted to. People have always wished to do that, but it's very rarely happened. And people all the way back thousands of years have had the same exact brains as, as you or I. But in almost all ancient civilizations in any time ever – Knowledge has been something that was assumed to already exist and come from authority. So even in medieval times, they thought all the knowledge already existed. Everything that could be known was known, and then the kings and the people and whatever just told you what it was, or it came from the religious texts, or, or, you know, that's basically people's default mode. It's not that crazy. You're born that way. You're born, you you have parents, and they apparently know everything. That is your view. It's not unreasonable to think that way. So knowledge by authority is that situation where everything is already known, and you just need somebody to tell it to you and do it. Of course, religions are are pretty bad about this in that regard. The Bible, we think we have the text from 2,000 years, and that's all there is, and that's all we need. We just need to interpret it correctly, and be, you know, that's the only discrepancy there. Now, that doesn't exactly work for science, although I'm not knocking the Bible or religion when I say that. Um, but still, that went, that's basically the default mode of humanity forever and also correlates with no progress ever being made. Now, that kind of changed in the Enlightenment. So Enlightenment, you hear a lot of talk about that now, uh, and I haven't read Stephen Pinker's book about it, but Enlightenment you hear a lot coming up recently because people are talking about that and feel like some of these Enlightenment ideals are under attack. Now, what they came up with in in the Enlightenment in 1660, they said uh, they basically founded the Royal Society. It was kind of the first scientific organization, and it was basically the beginning of of a type of philosophy. I'm I'm saying this loosely, but uh, empiricism, which was no longer knowledge from authority, which is a really huge breakthrough. And it was saying that we have to observe things, and we don't take the, the I didn't know this till, till I just heard it in a book. Their motto was take nobody's word for it, meaning don't listen to the king or the knight or the thing. Observe it for yourself. It sounds All, bad Christian to me. Yeah, it says, uh, well, I mean, it, it kind of lines up with what, you know, yeah. something's been intuitive to me for a long time. Don't give the benefit of the doubt. Ask yourself, ask how does it work? figure it out, check it out, observe it. And so then you get into the thing where science is observation, and their big thing was knowledge derives from observation. So not from authority, but from observation. And that's basically empiricism. And so you hear that a lot, and that was a really good step. That's just the very beginning, of course. And so a lot of people will get hung up. You'll hear this a lot when people say science is observable, and then people will turn around and wield it backwards at you. Have you ever heard anybody say that, No, well, nobody's ever seen the Big Bang, so it's not observable, therefore it can't be science. Right. You haven't know? watched evolution. You've right. never you seen can't a, watch it, a, so. a lizard turn into a human. Yeah, so that's not science then, but that's— right. 
the dumbest. That forensics is, just, is forensic yeah. science. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just very very silly. Joey told me that the first day we met, I was like, "Hey man, I'm glad to uh, meet you and know you." He's like, "You know, I've never seen a lizard turn into human." And I was like, "Oh, okay." okay. And then so, we became best friends. But I mean, of course, <laughs> what, what that presupposes, and this is where the now I'm going to now say what's the flaw in empiricism and uh, even back then. But of course, this is 1660, so it's still a huge leap forward in all progress that's ever been made. Almost that we count for anything has been made since, and because of that, it put us on the right road is the way that we look at it. But the reason that thing about you, if you can't observe it, it's not science is so dumb, um, is because well, first of all, that's about 400 year old idea we don't even have ideas of our perception being even where close to what reality is in the first place so our perceptions we now know are just so bizarre but that you know you, you've you never mean how we perceive reality yeah yeah saying? but i don't want to yeah. get that's a whole nother sure, thing sure, sure, yeah, yeah. But of course that's very very weird but you right. for instance you can't i mean we completely understand nuclear physics and nobody disputes it but you can't see it you can't observe it you can't observe a supernova Right. I mean, you can't. Right. You, you can observe a, a flash of light in a way, but you can't actually claim to observe it. Yet it's uh, the things that happen often are something that is the observation comes in later. So what we do basically, which is very exciting to me, if, if you can kind of understand this breakthrough, the update on that. And they did think that. But the update on that now that we're, we're at a little bit more. And as you come on, you realize that observation comes in secondarily to verify and test what is pure conjecture or guesswork or theory or explanations. So you, you come up with in your own head, and this is what's so beautiful about it, is all knowledge in the current scientific or rationalist or whatever, in the current, the best view possible, knowledge comes from conjecture and guesswork and is created by us. So you could almost say, what if God gives us the ability to create knowledge, not it exists, and then we get told it or find it out. We actually kind of create the knowledge by guesswork and conjecture, and then we subject it to criticism, and then we test it and observe it whether or not it works. So there's tons of things in science where you will, you'll discover something, you'll make up something in your own head, total guesswork. That is all, everything you know is guesswork. You say, I wonder if it works like that, and then you observe to see if it's true or not and how certain it would be. And, and so where you're really headed with that is to explain something. So math and physics wind up explaining what starlight is. It started by you observe starlight, but that doesn't tell you anything about what's happening in stars. And then eventually some people came up with a, a conjecture. They thought, well, I, I guess people thought it was like this spinning. We were geocentric and the heavens yep. were circulating around us and there was holes in the dome and light would shine through. So somebody made up that theory and it, wasn't disproven until much later when we found when somebody had a better guess that improved upon it, of course, and we realized it's a heliocentric universe. So the explanation comes in when you can actually talk about what's happening in the star. We actually got all the way into where we could say, oh, there's hydrogen fusing in a nuclear fusion reaction, and the results of simple math and physics predict that, and they predict what we will see and where we will see it. And then, of course, we... The observation may come in there, which helps us know that we're on the right track, more or less. And so, what we're looking for is, of course, uh, testable Can I ask a quick conjecture. Question? Yeah, go ahead. You just—that's uh, the problem with these I, things—is I feel uh, like, well, I'm going to prepare some science stuff, but then what am I do? Trying to give a TED talk? It's, oh no, no, no. You know? no. Well, <laughs> here's one thing. Okay, like uh, obviously, as far as science goes, I'm really interested, but I don't, uh, I don't 
follow it probably as closely as you do. Even though you turned me on to a book that I'm started listening to, uh, Life 3.0, which Ooh, is nice. AI is really cool. Um, it when when you're talking about predictions in science in the science world, are the predictions just as as valuable? Like uh, as far as where we're headed, like when when uh, Einstein made a prediction that and ended up becoming true that. Mm-hmm. Was that, was that prediction just as valuable as far as like moving people towards everything? Like, cause you can't, when you're talking about a star, uh, you know, going dwarf or whatever it might be, those are all mathematical equations and it, it has not been observed necessarily. Right. Well, so it's all just what, maybe what happened or like based on logic and reason and math, all of those things. And it might even be true, but there, it's not like the same as me watching a, you know, a, a balloon blow up. It's right. not that I'm, I can observe a balloon being filled with helium and floating away. I can't, like you said, I can't acknowledge a star going dark or exploding or whatever it might be. So but Einst- the prediction actually is valuable then, though. Well, the predict. A- so Einstein, for instance, predicted with relativity that the the gravitational orbits of things weren't exactly what Newton said, which is what we were working off before. And we, he said, if I'm right, you'll see this in 20 years when there's a total eclipse, and then you'll see the orbit of this, and you'll be able to see this other dot, and it'll be exactly here to this decimal point, not where wow. we all, not where Newton's laws predict it to be. And yeah. Late, doesn't matter if he's dead or whatever. Eventually, when that you have the technology to observe that and you know it's coming, uh, there you go. And you see exactly what it predicted. So it's testable and falsifiable and, and specific. And so that's why it becomes, therefore, useful or accepted or continues to be used as a, a method of, of figuring And I guess out. even predictions are tested by other scientists. And just, right. Yeah, yeah. Because the yeah, other okay. way is just it, pure induction. It says this. It says, well, and so what I'm trying to get to here, and we'll move forward, is bad and good explanations are the key. So all the way back to Joey's audio gear, I said, you got to draw it. You got to write. I want you to draw the gear. I want you to write lines and write inputs and outputs and draw arrows for what's going where. And you will there functionally be able to explain everything that's happening. That's what we're. That is what we want. That is what is useful. That has nothing to do with authority. Other people can follow it. Other people can test it. Other people can use it. And it doesn't come from pure observation. It actually comes from mental effort and guesswork and conjecture and creativity, which is what's so exciting about it. But. Joey, did documenting it help you understand audio better? I didn't. I haven't sketched at all. <laughs> <laughs> Can't find the time. Now, so now, we, last thing I want to talk about is the difference in a good and a bad explanation um, and, and why it doesn't work. So look at uh, the sun coming up. We go, well, the sun comes up, and it's a theory, but that the sun comes up every day and we know it does and we make up you can say why it comes you know at at some point people have explanations of why that happens god brings up the sun or whatever it would have been for millennia people will continue to do that uh the problem comes in is just because you expect something to happen is going to continue to happen and then you go well statistically it's always happened every single day so it uh therefore we know it'll continue to happen but that's not that's not true if you don't understand why it happens the way it does. If you don't have an explanation, your prediction, no matter how, no matter how many times it's happened statistically, you still don't have an explanation. You still don't have what you need. So, for instance, yeah. every day for your entire life, the year of the calendar started with what number? 19, right? Until the year 2000. Yeah. 1979, oh, 1981, 1982. Oh, oh yeah. So you had thousands and thousands and thousands of days in a row that the year always starts with a 19. That is totally true. But also, you have an explanation of how and why and a prediction that what happens on January 31st, 1999. 
Did you have a prediction about that? No, I didn't. That the, it wouldn't Jan- be in the next day when you woke up. Did you think oh, the calendar yeah, would start? The prediction would be, yes, year with a nineteen. Yeah. No, it was going to be a right. twenty. Right? You knew right. it was going to be a twenty because you had an explanation and you expected to see that based on theory and conjecture and made up stuff in your head. It was not by observation, and you were right. Right. Same, yeah. same with the sun. So if you sense. think the sun comes up every morning just because God makes it or whatever, or it's always a 24-hour cycle, that's fine. But if you can't explain it, you got nothing because when you go to the International Space Station, the sun comes up every 90 minutes. You know what I mean? So you didn't, right. you didn't know what you were talking about. You, you, you may be statistically right. You may observe it so much that it seems certain, but you didn't have an explanation. You couldn't write it. You couldn't explain it. You couldn't express it as a theory. You couldn't express, express it with math, and you don't know what you're talking about yet. You're on, maybe on your way to knowing, but that's the, yeah. the explanatory part of science where you actually can explain the steps, understand them, make predictions about them, and then observation may come in to verify that. So it's explanations that, that we need. So even, even bad explanations are testable is the interesting thing. So conspiracy theories and flat earth and uh, folklore and, and a lot of biblical myths are that way. That, uh, after the devil beats his wife it, it is what we say when his sun is shining, you know, and it's raining. And it's raining. Yeah. But that, if that's true, then you know, that, that might would make sense, but what if you found out through technology that wasn't raining everywhere? Like, you know, that right. you go, oh, well, that's because you, then you would just make up it's a substitutable thing. You just shift your explanation that doesn't actually make sense, and it's highly variable, and, you know, yeah. it's the angels are bold, and that's what thunders. And if somebody says, yeah, but that's not actually true because what about this? And you say, well, maybe that's when the... Angels and the demons are in a bowling league, but then when they don't, you know, you just start making up stuff. So if your explanations are bad, if they don't contain the real information or if they're very substitutable, like you could just make up any other details. And that's what we wind up doing, especially in Christianity that drives me crazy is you start with knowledge by authority. And then whenever it's proven wrong, you, since you didn't have a good explanation anyway of how it worked, which you, you just don't know how it works, stuff like we were talking about before with God's will and yeah, suffering yeah. we don't know and all we do is say we know and then when this, we're proven otherwise we just make up something else and keep varying the explanation and that's how you know it's not a good explanation in the first place i think that's what draws me to science sometimes is that it it is that the idea of science and what we're searching for is that no answer is uh completely solid you could always find more information and if the information reveals itself then you could you could wake up tomorrow and believe something different and it could be logically thought about whereas like what you're saying with with christianity sometimes it's limited experience and then uh giving attributions to god or you know god's attributes because of this like you said after the devil beats his wife is just something that people go well the sun's out but it's raining huh let's see I don't really care to learn about that, so it must be God doing something funny. And it, you know, I know it's just like a colloquialism or whatever it mm-hmm. might be, but it's just uh, or an old Southern saying. But it is easier and less thoughtful. Like it makes the uh, uh, not a thinking Christian when you just go, "Oh, well, God did this" or whatever. Like it, you're right in the in the scope of I need to understand everything because if we're if, if for example, we limit ourselves just is. to the That's Bible and, and Christianity, we're not even actually studying God's creation. Right, that's what, right. I'm just saying, yeah. if you want to make progress, hey man, talk a little softer. Joey fell asleep. Yeah, he's asleep. You talk a hair softer. It is a good, <laughs> but that yeah. that's what that's what it that's if you want to make progress, you you need to f- go all the way through into 
good explanation. And so yeah. even when people have explanations, sometimes they can be just, just bad ones. And they're bad if they're highly variable. Good explanations are very, very specific. So ask yourself, whenever somebody gives you an answer for something, could you shift it? Could you make it up a different way? Is there another reason it could happen that wouldn't even change the outcome if you just substituted the details? Like maybe it was the this, maybe it was the that, or you know, maybe an alien came down and made this happen. Maybe it was God, maybe it was, you know, Allah, maybe it was whatever. As long as you just could make up a bunch of different things and the even if it's a prediction, it's not a good explanation. So you have to get yeah. all the way down to that. The truth, it's not about science or, or something like that. I'm just saying, in general, the truth is going to consist of hard to vary assertions about the nature of reality. And that's always going to be, when you really get down to it, unseen, theoretical, creative, conjecture, subjected to criticize, criticism, and then tested by observation. And that is so exciting right. to me because it's, it's begging humans to be creative. That's what it is. That's where all knowledge comes from, is humans being creative. And that's just really exciting. It's a creative endeavor to learn stuff and gain knowledge. And that's, if you want to make any progress, that's what we got to do. And we'll get to do that forever and ever and ever. How's no, that? Uh, not, not if you don't believe in God, you said. You immediately are exploded. <laughs> immediately. Or how long? What's the scientific uh, number for annihilation <laughs> explosion? Like you, uh, people. like you're like, uh, you're so one day you're a grandpa and you, you know, you have lung cancer and you're about, you're laying on your deathbed and you're like, I love you grandkids. I love you daughter. I love you son. All this stuff. Goodbye. And you, how long until you're exploded by a fire from God and annihilated? It just, it depends. What's the there, scientific number? There are a lot of variables. And so like Matt said, it's just, it's, it needs to be way more specific. So I don't think this would be that helpful. There's okay. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Anything like that is, is a highly variable. You could just say, or this happens, or I think this happens, or what, how do you explain this? You go, but couldn't it also be this? And, and so why would you ever favor one explanation over another unless it was highly specific? It's just, that's just a couple of filters to think through. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I mean, for, for me too, like, I think that there are, like I was a math teacher for five years, and I think some of the stuff that we taught middle schoolers, it it's just not helpful in everyday life. So for them to just figure out how to do it, ace the test, get out of there for the grade, fine and dandy. But for the students that would do that with everything and just figure it out but not take the time to really understand what's going on, I really think they really wasted their time because now they don't remember the rules and stuff, and they don't have the base knowledge of what that stuff means. Yeah. So but let's I, let's leave science a, a little bit on this and move on. I'm sorry if that was long or me. I'm trying to figure out how to do these segments as conversation, but I'm just trying to, I don't know how to do it. But think about the, just the concept of knowledge from authority and that all progress we've made has depended on the fact, we'll just go into culture now in general, but think about the fact that all the progress we've made as society and civilization has come from rejecting authority claims. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of right. very important because that's what it, that's what the cycle's always been like is one source of authority being rejected but then some other powerful source of authority coming in and say no it's this way and that never got anybody anywhere until we started realizing to not give the benefit of the doubt to authority because we got we got shit we want to figure out. So to me that's not at all incompatible with 
Christianity or anything. It's just saying if you don't know and you're going to try to say about how free will works, you don't have an explanation. You don't have one. You don't have one that actually works or makes sense or is traceable, testable, anything. So that's a fine theory. Okay, but we don't know that. But there are things that we can test and we can know, and we have to continue to do that. And you can't just be afraid to reject the knowledge pushed down on you by authority. That's the, that is not how people make progress at all, if that's something you're interested in. Yeah, like we wouldn't even have our country, which I think is so funny how people get so uptight with people, you know, I, I, def, I mean, I would call myself patriotic, but I'm also totally down with someone kneeling during the Pledge of Allegiance and people get so bent out of shape. I'm like, you do realize that we established America by killing the, the people that we were under, you know? I mean, it's just it's so crazy how people forget that America was founded on a very violent war, declaration of independence, defiance of authority. Well, the thing about authority, it does not also mean uh, superior intellect or more intelligence or anything. It just means that is the system we have, and so we're all under it right now. And we we do live in a time where we should be questioning everything. Like, I'm not, I don't, right right now, I know that this sounds really crazy. I had this thought the other day. There is a percentage chance that Donald Trump goes down as a great president. Now, you might think he's the biggest piece of shit in the world. He's doing this, this, this. And he might have already made tons of terrible decisions and go down as the worst president also. There's percentage, just maybe a larger percentage of that. But I'm saying we are at a time where even our president, we we live in America where we can question everything. And so we just should. And that authoritarian, uh, totalitarian rule uh, has now become more oppressive because our thoughts can be so free that if we aren't asking those questions, then we're just fools. Like if we're not asking questions about where we're headed technology wise, uh, with God or whatever that might be, uh, politics, uh, health, all these questions, if we're not pushing, pushing boundaries and pushing back on the people that say, well, it's this like right now, I cannot believe how many times I see like the FDA say, uh, frosted flakes are good for you, but avocados bad. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just like, what the hell? Well, that, yeah, I, I that's mean, knowledge that, from authority. authority. You can't just accept that. I mean, right. they, they could be right. They could not be about any certain thing. But in history, most authorities have been wrong about most everything. Yep. Tell me that's not true. I mean, you couldn't prove otherwise. I mean, there's no, been it's tons of bad. certainly true. Yeah. Most powers and authorities have been mostly wrong about mostly everything thus far. But maybe that's, that's the, the way it goes. But you would have to say that even though Americans and the American government and authority has been wrong, this is the best shot we've ever had. Yeah, sure. But I'm saying that the, all still, the progress yeah. doesn't come from the authority. So that's why right. when people are talking about the Enlightenment right. and trying to defend those Enlightenment principles, this is what they're talking about. Because you don't want a further, let's say, left rising authoritarian government that thinks they have prescriptive knowledge of what everybody needs to do and why and how it should work. That's that's not what we want. That's never that doesn't work. Yeah. So and and then we have that largely in Christianity and in the right wing circles where it's like, well, your pastor's strongly suggesting you spend more time in your Bible so that you don't get in a parasailing accident or what or that you know how to get through that or whatever it is. Right. It's a lot of behavior control thing by authority and it's you know, it doesn't go that well in Christian circles to not accept knowledge from authority. And even the Bible, you, you can't mislook at it. You can't look at it as the, the, the authority source of knowledge. That's not really what it is. 
Yeah, I know. And if, well, I mean, and if it and is, if we're screwed because we've been trying to figure it out for 2,000 years and people still know how to fucking interpret the thing. Right. In any productive way. It doesn't, it just doesn't work that way either. Like it functionally does not work in the way that you just described it. And I'm going to say there's a tradition on what I'm saying, and I'll call it the Reformation. Now, the Reformation doesn't mean we need to continually do whatever it was that Martin Luther did, but that principle was, oh, yeah, the authority of Christianity has been doing it wrong for, I don't know, 1,500 years at that point. Good. So what Martin Luther did there was really good. I'm not saying he got it right. What the, his update? He still had his own misconceptions, or and and we, you always will. You can hope to be less wrong, but thank God yeah. that he didn't say, "Well, but they're the authority, so let's not question it." Or or think about the major denominations, like gigantic denominations, highly respected. You know, the big ones: Presbyterianism, uh, Southern Baptist, Assemblies of God, uh, Episcopalian. Think about all the big stuff that all of them are wrong in, except for one of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, there's so many big issues that they have different answers for, and and so that means a lot of them have to be wrong. And yet, that's coming from the absolute top. Right. Right. So I the, just think the, I think God. The quite, worst thing in the world is think about the the oh, how many pastors uh, this Sunday, how many people and we've done it on this podcast are saying, look to the Bible for your answers and never would recommend another book or the book is still just a Christian book only. Or, you know, I mean, like that, that, like we aren't pointing people to discover the world they live in and to live in the reality now. And this much like Joey, we were talking about Joey thinking about the end of, you know, being in heaven more than now. I was the same way. Like I always thought, well, this life is passing and fleeting. And the thing I need to care about is my eternity as opposed to living and being present here and learning about this world. Like that, that's way more valuable for my brain, for my family, for my finances, for every possible thing, learning about this world and using the rules and the laws that are here and figuring it out. I mean, isn't that what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to figure out this world that God gave us. And we are totally annihilating that and only caring about the end or a selfish, uh, prosperity that we should have it's just bizarre like our, our god has become a footstool that lifts us up to better places as opposed to a creator that we're supposed to explore his creation and it's just really sad let me say too that i think the bible does contain knowledge it's not that it is oh, knowledge yes, there. for sure it's just not expo- it's very largely not explanatory knowledge so it, that, that means that the bible and storytelling and tradition you know, the, the, part of its function is to pass on useful knowledge that seems to be working. It just doesn't happen to be explanatory. You know what I mean? Well, and, and, we, and, we have tradition it, for a reason. There's truth in it. There's people that discovered rules of thumbs and had spiritual interactions with God, and they're passing that information and knowledge along. I'm just saying it's not explanatory knowledge if it can't, you know. Right, in, in that right. And, and, when, and when people were writing it, that's not how their culture even worked anyway. Right. And so what that's that's the big mistake that that— we've all made is we're trying to read the Bible, how uh, modern day people read history, how we read science, how we read knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's how we try to read the Bible. And that's not how they functioned back then. That's mm-hmm. just not how they function. Totally. So let's, let's move on here. And uh, if Joey, if you, no, not Joey, Toby, if you can give a big uh, pitch for the bad Christian club, and if you do a good enough job, I'll give you a, just a stunning scientific fact at the end of the Oh, <laughs> I was hoping for money, but I'll take a scientific fact any day. I've got a good uh, one. It's unrelated, here, but stunning nonetheless. 
Here's why you should join the BC Club. And this is really an honest, real, this is what I'm going to say. I can't believe how far this podcast has come. I can't believe how far bad Christian and what we're doing has come. And that is seriously on uh, the group of people called the BC Club. They couldn't help more. They couldn't provide more. I constantly am uh, going into the BC Club uh, Facebook page and just hearing all these thoughts and ideas and really being challenged sometimes. Also known as lurking. Oh, yeah, I lurk. Oh, God, I lurk. Uh, but it's really fun because the the people are cool. They're funny, and it's real life. They get in arguments sometimes. Uh, they push back on each other. There was a really good dialogue even just today about, uh, you know, uh, racism and women's rights and stuff like that. I, I won't go all into it, but I just thought this is really a, a, an LGBT community. Um it's just really interesting that you can have a group of people that are all feel a little disenfranchised from the church, a real a little disenfranchised from Christianity, still basically maybe even believe or at least are pursuing what the, the, their belief is. So it's a real chase, and they're all together. I mean, it, it is similar to what I would hope church would be like. Like you could be free in your thoughts. It's not scary to have crazy thoughts about God or science or technology or life or family. All those things are welcome in the BC club and it also helps support what we're trying to do. We're trying to do a lot of stuff in the future and, and it's based on those folks helping us do it. It's not just us three. There's a, there's an army of people in the BC club. And if you're not in the BC club, I highly recommend it. I think you'll get a lot out of it and you'll help uh, get us to where this thing called bad Christian is going. Yeah, I think that's great. Thank you, Toby. That's the bad. Amen. It's a BC club.com is how you can come and join us. And and these folks, Joe, you got these the folks have yeah these folks have done that. That's Alex Brenneman, B.J. Dyer, Kayla Smart, Brian Bilbro or Bilbruff, one or the other, Jared Pearden, and Eric Hahn. Thank mm-hmm. you guys. Like, okay. Thank you. So I'm just going to give you the other thing that I would have done as a science segment that would have only taken a couple of minutes instead. Okay, <laughs> just be a, a, a amazing fact. And that is how violent uh, the universe is out there. So we'll just talk about a supernova. <laughs> a supernova, if it's just intensely violent, the radiation is the energy that's coming off a supernova. And you know radiation, of course, is harmful. But if yeah. you were billions of miles from a, billions of kilometers away from a supernova, yep, and it exploded, and... Every bit of those billions of miles was nothing but lead shields. You would still be instantly destroyed by the supernova. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the energy coming off of a supernova. I have a little thought. That's what God's annihilation for the non-believers is. Like you become a star, and you're like, "Oh man, look at ah!" And that's it. (laughs) And uh, then on top of that, a quasar is basically that. You know, a supernova happens as a big one, big explosion, and a yeah. uh, quasar is more like a, a permanent version of that that lasts. Oh. That it I itself that lasts for millions of years. I didn't know. Yeah. I thought I ordered a quasar one time at a Greek restaurant. I, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> and then, of course, the inside of a black hole, much more violent. And then, of course, Big yeah. Bang, much more I, violent than that. I've, I've been near Joey's black hole, and it is very it's, violent. It's very violent. But it's silent. one of the most scariest things that's ever happened. That's in, actually in why my, I had to okay. leave the podcast real quick. It was super embarrassing. Like, I felt like an old man. I had to change my underwear. What? 
I it's like I'm. I'm Did you I'm shit yourself eat- during the podcast? Is that what you're saying? I'm not eating carbs, and I I went to lean down, and <laughs> you just have those times where you're like, oh shoot, did something actually happen? Wait, so and- during this podcast, as we speak, you have shit your pants. You had explosive diarrhea. It, no, it's just a tiny bit, but yeah, we know, yeah. we 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 know what that means. We've all yeah. we've all done it. It's called sharding, I imagine. So, but so I went to the uh, restroom and I checked and I said, "Damn it, I, that sure enough was something." I had to go upstairs, change my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like such an old man. Woo, that, like, look, I was like, I'm just one more one more proof that you this podcast is authentic, transparent, open, and honest. The host shits himself, and the episode yeah. returns to tell about it during the same. Pastor episode. shits himself. 